High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, horror lovers, sci-fi lovers, dog lovers, and a special shout-out to you Corey lovers out there. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school is still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment. And I would like to see the results. I know the theme song by the Donna says Friday night, but it is Saturday morning when I'm recording this because I got really into the baseball game last night when New York Mets pitched a combined no-hitter. If you don't know what baseball is or what the sport does to me, then you don't need to know what that statement means. Point is, I was distracted. But I woke up early, ready to go, ready to record this, and I hope you do your regular homework as always, because if you haven't, you should hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. While you're there, leave us a positive review, or how about a positive rating? Positivity all around. I am in a good mood. We're back to a somewhat regular recording schedule. We're back to our high school slumber party conversations twice a week. I know I said the same thing twice, but I'm excited. I said it in different ways. All right, what else was your homework? Oh, did you check out Monday's episode with Matt Kelly, first-time guest? We'll have him on again. He's awesome. We talked Daria. Is it college yet? Which is the finale to the Daria series, which is amazing, guys. Do a rewatch of Daria, or if you've never seen it before, watch it. It is so good. I just did one. It's awesome. That episode is awesome. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and how about CageClub.me? That's CageClub.me, the home of so many other great pop culture podcasts, including a ton hosted by my guest today, Mike Manzi. And if you've been listening to the show long enough, you know we are in the midst of round two of our Two Corys series. Mike Manzi is always my co-host for that. Little Corey Haim. Little Corey Feldman, little fell dog, little hamster. We got a hamster movie today, and that was your homework. It's on YouTube, guys. No excuses. It was to watch the film called Watchers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The bell does not dismiss you. I dismiss you. You know that by now. You're seniors. I don't even know how many more episodes we'll have left of High School Slumber Party. I Maybe the show ends. Maybe you graduate and we never record again. Maybe I leave you back for a year. Maybe you're stuck in school forever. Maybe it's like a Boonwell movie. You just can't leave. Who knows? You'll have to wait and find out, and you'll have to listen to all the episodes of High School Slumber Party. And also, please, follow 
us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, look up High School Slumber Party, but also follow my personal Twitter. I only have like 20-something followers. I started a personal one. High School Slumber Party has a lot more than me, and it makes me sad. I'm jealous of this show, even though it's my creation, and I'm the producer, writer, director, the star of it. (laughs) But yet... I want some shine on me. No, it's because I have some other projects on the hopper that I want to start sharing there. And I'm going to start sharing, you know, personal things about me. I get zero likes on my tweets now. I don't want that to be the case. So I should tell you the handle, right? It's Rodriguez. O-H-M-Y Rodriguez. That is my Twitter handle. Follow me there. Okay, let's get to the episode. I cannot wait to talk this one. I don't know if there's a song for watchers. Let me look. But while I look, pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother to be Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Screw it. Baha men. Who let the dogs out? If you watched the movie, you would know why. Class dismissed. Who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who let the dogs out? Who, was nice, the party was pumping. And everybody having a ball. Until the fellas start the name calling. And the girls respond to the call. Mike, we're back for another installment of this legendary series, The Two Corys, Volume 2, Year 2. I never, never expected to say this, but just from like some conversations off air, I can already tell. Year two, you feel a little bit better about than year one, right? Oh, absolutely. I think it's like like high school, you know, uh, freshman year. You're still kind of timid getting your footing, or at least I was, not everybody. But when you come back sophomore year, you know where all the bathrooms are. You know how to work your locker. You're not the lowest thing on the totem pole in the hallway anymore you know yeah i feel a little more confident i'm feeling a little better this year i was a little nervous about year two because we were pulling some very obscure movies out of the cory vault mostly the cory (laughs) haim vault the vault it's it's like a shoebox under the floorboard but (laughs) (laughs) i think so far so good at least from your reaction you know we've Mm -hmm. had some some really fun uh fun episodes and with these obscure films and watchers from 1988 it's another obscure one very curious your take on this wild movie but before that introduce yourself so we could talk all about it absolutely mike manzi rhs class of 97 that's right 1997 go maroons so mike were you familiar with watchers at all no this was the first time i'd heard of this movie and i'm bummed that I hadn't been watching this for like the last 20 years or so. The only thing I know about this at all, aside from some of the actors, is Dean Koontz. We can talk about him a little bit, but wow, man, Watchers, oh boy. (laughs) I mean, this is about us, right? This is what we do. We're Watchers of Glory. Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) I mean, I I also had no idea what this film was about when I, on first glance, it was just something that came up in the IMDb, saw that it was a teen film. I said, why not? Wow. <laughs> There's a lot in this film, Mike, that, again, you would have been called on anyway as an expert on. We'll, t- <laughs> we'll talk about it. But you know what? Let's just get to the back of the DVD. 
part of this. You know, every yeah. week I read back DVD, back at VHS, whatever, just to explain what Watchers is all about, because I'm pretty sure most people are not familiar with it. They were created in a top-secret government laboratory, enhanced by genetic masterminds, given superior intelligence, and bred to be the perfect weapon. Now they are on the loose. From the pages of Dean R. Kuhn's best-selling thriller, Watchers, explodes onto the screen with relentless fury, more terrifying than any nightmare. Corey Haim stars as Travis. Travis Cornell, who befriends a magnificent golden retriever. Little does he know that this extraordinary dog is about to lead him on the most bizarre and terrifying adventure of his life. Yes. Yes, if I ever get a dog, I'm naming him GH3 after this movie. Not Furface? (laughs) Well, I guess Furface would be his uh, pet name. (laughs) But, man, that, that really undersells so much about this movie like it doesn't mention the agents that are after him it doesn't mention the maybe bigfoot creature attached to the dog psychically like there is an there is such incredible ideas flying around this movie that that like only the mind of a, like a wannabe stephen king could probably conjure <laughs> i love it this is a monster movie. You're Mr. Monsters That Made Us. So, yeah. you know, I don't know if it's universal quality necessarily, the monster, but. <laughs> I wish we got to see it at yeah. least once in its entirety. It, it mostly, like, if I had to fill in the blanks, it looks mostly like the uh, sort of gorilla monster from Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Uh, we get sort of a glimpse of his head at the end. That's kind of my one gripe about the movie is we never get a clear cut of the creature. But I love the whole concept of this idea that they were taking well i don't like that they were experimenting on animals don't get me wrong but if you're an evil science lab you know like if you're the shop or something like that to sort of the idea is they have this dog that is hyper intelligent he's like einstein from cowboy bebop they send him in like wandering into some encampment and then they have like this crazy beast creature psychically attached to it like linked to it so it knows where it is and it goes in after and attacks but the only flaw is that it also kills the messenger dog so like <laughs> this is the creature that's escaped this two part sort of bio weapon it's insane it is so insane and if you're just like cold listening not really knowing what a uh, watchers is but Maybe you're a big Mike Manzi fan, and you saw Mike was going to be on the show, and you're like, hey, let me tune in. And you're like, wait a minute, isn't this a high school movie podcast? This is somehow a high school (laughs) film. Dean Koontz, we'll talk about him. I'm curious what you know about him. But I should just say, I I have not read Watchers, but I looked up the summary on Wikipedia. And the, the Travis character who Corey Haim plays in the book is, well, I'll just read it. Travis Cornell, a 36-year-old retired soldier who spent much of his enlisted career as a Delta Force operator. Oh, so it's the dad that's missing from this movie. It's possible? Oh, wow, that's crazy. So they so they took all that stuff and gave it to this, like, 16-year-old character? <laughs> there's hardly, I can't even say hardly, there's no production, you know, facts online. So yeah. I'm guessing that they got the rights to this book. And they're looking for they were looking for stars who could become attached to it. Corey Haim became available, and they're like, "Hell, Corey Haim's hot as fuck. This is 1988. Let's just make this 
a teen film somehow. And I think they shoehorned that into this plot. I think they did it really well. Like, I've not read the original novel, but this works so well the way it is that I never would have imagined that it was about, like, uh, you know, sort of they referenced the character, but, like, it's the guy who's supposed to be his dad in the movie that's not in the movie. But, like, they totally referenced that guy. I also think maybe they, they might have gone to Corey because this seems to be a hundred percent Canadian production lots of oh for sure Canadian actors and he was in a Stephen King adaptation wasn't he in like Silver Bullet with Gary Busey yeah we still have to review that so like maybe he's going for some kind of horror cred he was in Lost Boys I could see that you know and he's he's really good in this I'm surprised. <laughs> is this the sober years? I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not too sure. According to the Lifetime movie, there weren't many of the sober years. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> again, that's a Lifetime movie. Sober set, maybe. Who knows? So, in the movie, his mom is Nora. But in the book, the love interest is Nora. So, who knows? You know, maybe. <laughs> but Fascinating, fascinating. But, all right. Dean R. Koontz. I'm vaguely familiar with this guy. Again, I might be an asshole by saying this, but he he's always been pitched to me as like a low-budget Stephen King. What do you know about him? I mean, kind of the same, like not to not to be mean either, but also maybe more of like a, like a Michael Crichton. Mm. Unlike Stephen King, like I feel like he sort of cuts to the meat and potatoes a little sooner. You know, there's less kind of appetizers with his stuff. Like I, I love Stephen King to death, but like a lot of it, I feel sort of gets off track with character development that you know is great but may not necessarily be there but this feels like and i'm gonna later i'm actually just gonna you know whatever i'm gonna recommend another dean Koontz adaptation at the at the end but like i feel his stuff that i've seen and and know about just kind of cuts to the chase a lot quicker and and is more focused and may not be kind of like as fantastic or whimsical but it's in the same vein i actually think of him more like michael Crichton, you know more just because of it's um just i just think it's like aliens and and science and and experiments and things like that uh and less kind of like killer clowns to you know and sort of fantasy stuff if i if i remember it's more sort of thriller suspense all the way around yeah i Honestly, I'm not too familiar with even his film adaptations. Um, I won't go into them, not to spoil your pick later, but I, I looked at the list and I was like, oh, okay. Um, I don't really know these films, so looking forward to the one you pick. Another name, though, in terms of the production that I was really happy to see at the beginning of this is a man we've talked about a lot, Mike, a man you've educated me on, and that's Roger Corman. I didn't know this was a Corman-produced film. Me neither, but, I mean, <laughs> I feel like this is like still around the time you could throw a rock and hit a Roger Corman. <laughs> fair, fair. But, yeah, it's got a lot of that energy, I'd say. You know, it, it feels like one of those kind of Corman knockoffs of some kind. Uh, the director I wasn't too familiar with either, John Hess. He's not Jared Hess's father. I was disappointed. So are you familiar with any of these other directorial movies from him? Uh, The Lawless Land. No. The Assassin. That seems like just a generic title. Yeah, hard to say. (laughs) Alligator 2, The Mutation. Yeah, I've not seen it, but I'm aware of the Alligator series. Yeah, I I like the first one. I wasn't aware that was a series. Wait, sorry, I clicked on it to see the poster. Oh my goodness. This alligator is tough. (laughs) 
alligator to the mutation. He's like in a city. Whew, they'll make a movie on anything, won't they? Let's see what else. Excessive force. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I don't notice. Oh my god! <laughs> I think excessive force. It sounds familiar. Stars, it stars Thomas Ian Griffith, who is none other, I believe, than one Terry Silver. Oh, from Karate Kid yes! Three. Yes, Holy shit. <laughs> that's why I've seen this movie because I looked up him when we we did Karate Kid Three for your for your podcast, Mike. So that's. <laughs> he also All wrote the movie. It. Yeah, he's a writer. He's been writing a lot. He's got some Emmys, I think. Oh wow, good for him. He, he's been in the business the whole time. We just <laughs> haven't seen him. Well, we saw well, him until now. Yeah, he's back say, now. He's, he's back. Awesome. He's so awesome. So that's really all I know about the production of this movie. So we'll just go on to the cast and oh, wild! What a wild cast. We already said Corey Haim, just a Corey Haim film, but he is Travis, typical Corey Haim here. I was trying to look up what the dog was named, but the dog. Big character in this film as well. Yeah, great dog. I mean, obviously, there's some puppetry and, and other stuff going on. But yeah, love the dog. But uh, the co-lead, if you will, or the second build is Michael Ironside. Love seeing Michael Ironside. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. And he's here. It feels like he is trying to get an Academy Award or something. Like, he is treating this material like real material. And I yeah. love that. I love it. Yeah, he, he's like... When I, when I say low budget, it doesn't mean worse. It just means less acclaim, I think. But he reminds me of a low budget Jack Nicholson. Oh, wow. Wow, that's a great call. Like, sort of that, if you can't get Jack, they should have been calling him a lot. Yeah, more. right? And, you know, we say a lot about the, the quality of this look, but this is 1988. Like, this is still not bad for 1988. No, no. When I say low budget, yeah. I just mean, like, Michael Ironside isn't. Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Yes. And, and he's also not like he will never be cast as the Joker or things like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think everyone who's familiar with his films becomes a fan. We talked about him on what? Uh, is it Hello, Mary Lou? Or one of them we talked about him on. Oh, that's right. He's in, is it, He was in one of those prom night sequels. I knew him from uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah, and he's in... So all, much stuff. All, all the things. <laughs> I know. I feel like I know him from everything in the 80s and 90s. A couple other people of note in this cast. Yeah. Did you see uh, Lala Slotman, who was just known as Lala at the time? Were, were you familiar with her? No, but I was like, Lala? Like, that kind of rang a bell, but I didn't know why. Is she some kind of pop star? She's in the Zap, the Zappa tribe. I think she's uh, Frank, oh. Frank Zappa's... Um, her nie- his niece. niece, his niece. Yeah, that's correct. Big actor. Okay, I shouldn't say big, but an actor at the time. She actually was in Dream a Little Dream. Oh, right, right. I remember that. She was Corey Haim's girlfriend before Nicole Eggert. So I don't know if that's how she got into this movie. I don't know if they met here. I have no information. But okay. she also dated C. Thomas Howell, so she was in the crowd. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, and the you know the Zappa's pretty instrumental in the Cage Club Network without. Without the Zappa, there'd be no Valley Girl. Uh, Very true. There'd be no Nick Cage movie. <laughs> be the career he has today. <laughs> She's just an interesting name, just to be Lala. Anyway, before we get to like a big surprise that you sent me a photo of. Uh, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help <laughs> Earlier, it. was there anyone else in the cast who really stuck out to you? Yes. 
Donas Davis, you'll definitely recognize him. I know him mostly from Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. But he's in here as the vet real quick. Yeah. And that's what I was like, oh, like, this is a full-on Canadian thing oh, going on. Makes sense. You know, he's probably just like a working character actor still at that. I mean, he always was like a, a big character actor, but I'm sure in, in like Canada, he was working like overtime, right? So <laughs> every little kind of shoot is just like, see if he'll do a little part or something. <laughs> but I recognized him. Yeah, that's it. I thought maybe the other agent, Cliff, was famous, but I I didn't really recognize him. And Blue Mankuma is his name. Like that's the name. Yeah, yeah. I know this guy from. I'm looking at his creds. Like he was in RoboCop and stuff. I can't really picture him in that, but he was in this Charlie Sheen movie Cadence from 1990. <laughs> that. Martin Sheen was also in. Do you know this movie? No, I don't. I, I know so they've acted together like, a lot, but I don't know. Lawrence Fishburne is in it. Wow. Um, yeah, so like Charlie Sheen is in the military. I can't remember what year it's supposed to take place, but he ends up getting tattoos above the wrist, like on the uh, top of his wrist, on the top of his hands. He gets these eight ball tattoos. And when he gets back to base, they like throw him in the brig and send him to like a prison camp. And Everyone there is black except for him. And it's like driven by this racist hard ass that's played by his dad. And it becomes like this really weird fucking like Charlie Sheen white boy comes and like makes everything better at this. It's oh, so weird. No. It's so fucking weird. Like in retrospect, I'm thinking about it now. I'm like that's probably a bad movie. But like I watched that movie so many times as a kid. I don't know why. It was <laughs> It was just on HBO. I'd watch it while like, I was doing my homework or something. <laughs> it would just fucking be on. I love that. That's awesome. That is awesome. Look at that. F. Mary Abraham's in there. <laughs> That's funny. F. Mary Alien from uh, Star Trek. But anyway. I love F. Mary Abraham. Doesn't get a lot of love. Oscar winner. Often plays, I don't know. He's in Scarface and he's not Cuban, but who is in that movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he played the head alien in, in like the third Star Trek Next Generation movie. And I could only refer to him as F. Man <laughs> Alien from then on. Oh, man. No aliens today, at least I don't think, but weird shit happening. I could not believe how featured this dog was. I, I know I keep coming back to it, but... This dog was everything. Like, the movie starts out with the dog escaping the wrath of this monster. And we're kind of, you know, following the dog. And it Mm -hmm. it leads to Corey and his girlfriend about to have barn sex. Which is like, (laughs) whoa, you know? In the first uh, ten minutes in the movie, you would almost think that Corey Haim wasn't the star, right? Like, he just is like this boyfriend who appears. And we see the dad and, and this girl and... We don't see the monster, but we hear the threat of the monster. You don't really know what's going on. But as the dog escapes the barn and the dad gets killed, the dog just jumps in the pickup, essentially, with Corey, more or less. And hijinks ensue. (laughs) And the rest of the movie begins. We get classic, classic Corey Haim-style acting, which I've grown to love. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Him and the dog, Mm -hmm. like... Him and the dog's interactions, I think, are uh, awesome in this film. Oh, so the whole time I'm like, they just replaced Feldman with a fucking dog. Oh, my and God. It, and it still works. <laughs> it's working. It's working, damn it. And, no, but, and what is, but honest, wait, 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 Mike, what is Feldman's nickname? What was his nickname? The Fell Dog. 
The Feld Dog. <laughs> Hamster and Feld Dog. But also, but more seriously, like, it becomes like Turner and Hooch. But it's so wild because it's setting up this movie with incredibly high stakes. And, like, it opens with a fucking explosion where this lab just blows up. And I don't think we not, ever find uh, by out By the way, wait, wait, wait. not a lab dog, a laboratory Yes. Oh, right. Well, that was another play on where I thought that was clever play on words where like the lab escaped from the lab. But yeah, the laboratory is it just opens. And I don't think I've ever seen a movie with a building just exploding immediately like that, uh, that I could recall. And then this chase through the woods, some creature chasing a dog and then (laughs) Michael Ironside and his special forces and like victims immediately. And then like Corey's worried about getting pulled over by the cops and discovers he's got this cute dog and they develop this rapport and he won't leave him alone and they follows him back home and all this stuff and he like figures out immediately that he's like super smart he's like you're smarter than a regular dog aren't you and they do like the uh one for yes two for no thing i don't know i don't know if you've been watching peacemaker but like holy shit i was dying when it when oh yeah <laughs> it's so good it's so good it just gets better it just gets so much better uh, you also sent me a screen cap of when uh, basically he tells the dog, like, oh, if you can open the fridge and find anything, we'll make it for you for dinner. And he goes in and uh, opens the fridge and the dog gets some hot dogs. And we're like, oh, yes. You know, <laughs> yes. They're re- <laughs> and we're, we're big hot dog fans here. So let's give a shout out to Jordan for that hot dog. Yeah, club. there's like they do a lot of examples like. I love this. It's almost like a kid's horror movie because there's like zero gore until the very end. And when there is, like the bad guy gets it really bad and stuff. I really don't know. And we'll talk about this a lot later, but I really don't know who this movie was made for because like (laughs) there were such cute kids moments. And then at the same time, so, so Corey's dad, I guess he's gone off. Who knows? But well, Corey mentions at one point, he thinks it's because he didn't want to like, like, hunt or kill i don't know he says like "Ah, i think i'm the reason my parents split up and he's talking to to fur face about it (laughs) (laughs) but the mom is like dating he might be a handyman but just like a weirdo australian dude i hate this (laughs) (laughs) but this feels out of like a disney channel movie in terms of like oh my mom's dating this weirdo until he gets like super creepy he's like why do women uh, not want to have sex when men want to have sex and you're like what it, it, it becomes like a lifetime movie <laughs> like i don't know why there was sex talk between these two people in a movie that seemed like it was for kids and then why, when you're at the end you're like oh is this a kids movie well, and we'll get there well, it, just it's barely though like that is all like if you think about how much sex talk there are in normal horror movies or just visual cues horror fine yeah well what is this this is a horror movie but how okay but how much like cute dog play is there in horror movies well that's what i'm saying now now that i don't understand now this is what i don't get (laughs) because it's not played for laughs and it doesn't it's not like so bad it's good it's like genuine and good and like i'm buying all of this and i'm loving it and like ridiculous things are going to happen but they're set up perfectly 
Like, there's this whole scene. They get out of the way immediately. It's like a three and a half minute scene. But it's like Michael Ironsides called in and he's like, here's the situation. And he's talking to his partner and he's like, the dog escaped. The creature's after it. It, it takes the eyes. It's called this. It does that. Like, uh, we got to catch it. And there's this real intense vibe of like, this might be the first night of the end of the world if we don't fucking catch this thing. And then it just flips to, like, Turner and Hoot. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> man, I usually don't take my friends a bath. And he's, like, taking the dogs a bath. Like, it's just, like, again, like, these cutesy moments. This the is... dog, like, helps him with his homework oh, at one point. We, we, ha- we have to get there. Oh, let's just continue the dog talk because I love yeah, the dog. No, yeah, let's just, let's just go into all that. And then whenever the other stuff bumps into it, we'll get there. So the monster must kill the dog. Like that is the dream of this monster to do. Two other dogs died, but it was off camera before the movie started. So if you're like nervous listening to us, be like, oh no, I don't want to watch something where a dog dies. Like, for example, yeah, Fear yeah. with Marky Mark. Like, Yeah, yeah. And this is a heroic dog. Yeah, he's awesome. Kicks ass. He yeah. does not like spoiler, this is like he does Rent not Ten Ten. Yeah, spoiler, he does not die, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, he's harmed a little, but it's not, it's not like terrible animal violence, unless you count the creature as an animal. Which is like they're like, can't you reason with that creature? They're like, yes, we can, except it's got emotional damage. It's psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck, I guess we gotta shoot it then. <laughs> There's elements of the, of fifties horror in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's like, that's Dean Koontz. Like, that is sort of in the, mm. the movie I'm going to recommend later. Fair. Like, I feel like it's kind of a counterpart. Like, that's his generation, I guess. Like, he's in his 60s, I think. Like, I think he's like my, my mom's age or something. But totally that infused, but also mm, modernized, yeah. right? With all, with all of this explosion stuff <laughs> it's like this would be like a cold war movie in the 50s but now it's like this sort of almost like predator or something right like teen predator like the movie like the arnold schwarzenegger movie predator like that's sort of what oh i, I had that written down for a later scene don't worry but <laughs> this dog though i'm trying to think of how to describe the intelligence of this dog he's not like talking like verbally talking it's the shaggy da what if your dad was turned into a dog? Like I don't know because I was gonna say it. Also, it doesn't necessarily feel like a human is in the dog. It's almost well to me. It's more like they enhanced a dog's intelligence. Yeah, apparently they spliced it with human DNA or, or whatever. Yeah. But you know, I'm looking at my dog now. It's like if they made my dog ridiculously smart. Like it still wouldn't have opposable thumbs. You know what I mean? It still wouldn't have yeah. like. It couldn't probably contemplate deep philosophy, right? Well, this dog, that's questionable with this dog. <laughs> Maybe this dog can. I don't know. but it- I, part, of, part of me feels, yes, part of me feels, though, like, because at one point, Corey comes home with groceries. He's like, I got you dinner. And they're like these dog treats. And the dog has this look like, I don't want that shit. Like, I want, like, human food or something. But earlier, there's the scene where he pulls out the hot dogs. I I mean, it's tough. Like, I felt like it was, like, literally, like, they put a human brain in this dog is, like, how it kind of comes across. But I understand it can't. That's not the thing. The thing is just it's, it's just the most intelligent animal on the planet it can do basically everything but talk and things without thumbs 
it can't. It's. I mean, it types. It puts a fucking pencil in its mouth and uses a computer. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. I get that. But it wasn't like, for example, it couldn't. It wasn't typing out an essay on things. Yeah. Well, it was using the the Scrabble board to make sentences <laughs> and like a fucking message. Like I just, I, I, I know we're like <laughs> we're going high, like high level for this ridiculous thing. I don't know if this dog would be capable of culture. You know what I mean? Does does the dog feel naked, not wearing clothes? Like, yeah. okay, he's not. He's never like smoking. It's not like Gremlins where he puts a suit on and smokes a cigarette and like starts talking with a New York accent or anything. But I just think it's a level below that. That's all I'm saying. You know, it's a level below the Gremlins thing. Well, I'm giving this dog sort of, I guess, more credit. Like, I feel like it's smarter than Corey in this movie <laughs> at times. I, I just think it's focused. You know, like a dog, dogs can be become very focused and this dog is focused on uh well surviving first but also just like the, yeah. the mission at hand but you, you brought it up probably my favorite scene of the movie i'm not a big horror guy you know that so so probably my favorite scene of the movie is when um the dog is escape is trying to escape michael ironside because he knows he doesn't want to get caught by him because michael ironside's just going to use the dog as bait to get the monster you know yeah yeah but he escapes the house and finds Corey at school so you, yep. you see the dog just like walk into school and like <laughs> in class. And it's funny because Corey's like, oh, you're going to get me in trouble. But eventually, like, like the teacher even sees the dog and doesn't care. I don't understand. It gives him, it gives it detention, but, but it's, but the, an, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful sequence where the dog is like strolling up to the high school and he like puts, he like puts his paws on the door and the girls like let him in and he's like waltzing down the hallway. <laughs> some, guy, some guy's just like, hey, how's it going? Like he fucking goes there, like nothing unusual. And yeah, he goes into the computer lab, all those Max. Man, how much do you think all those are worth today? I was like, look at all those early Macintosh yeah. computers. They're so cool. And he starts typing out like an SOS message on the computer while everyone's handing in their homework. Like, oh, my God, that was amazing. And then, yeah, he, he blows his cover. And the teacher's like, see me after class. And he has to finish his report, and he hands it in, and the teacher's like, oh, it's a little better than usual. He's like, yeah, my, my dog helped me this time. He's like, <laughs> and the guy's like, holy shit, he did help him. <laughs> and the dog's just there in the background. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it's heartwarming and hilarious, and sometimes you forget you're in like a, a monster movie, like a serious, yeah. a serious monster movie. Yeah, I like that about it. But you know what I was thinking? This monster sucks for what it's supposed to do like the idea of this pair is like i said earlier you know you send the dog out first to scout and this monster has a psychic link and can see through the dog's eyes and it knows where to go to hit the enemy or whoever the target is okay so it could be anybody you know you just send this dog up to somebody on the street and then like the monster knows who to kill now it takes the monster like days to catch up to this dog like it is it is like at this one spot and then it goes to Corey's house for a while and the monster just goes everywhere else except for Corey's house like it he could see and feel where the dog has been he's just he really slow about it you know too yeah but he's going he's going to like that one 
that food truck guy, I guess, and killing him. He's killing. Well, he eventually like, he goes to Corey's house because doesn't he kill the Australian boyfriend? Yes, but he doesn't go there until like he absolutely has to, and there's 20 minutes left in the movie. <laughs> you know when, and then it's the point where everybody's clued in on what's happening, and they have to get to the cabin, or, or, or they have to lay low. Well, well, one of one of the monsters kills was a future famous face. Holy shit! As there was a bike bicycle gang in this. I was gonna say bike gang, but people might think like. Uh, motorcycles Bikers. no it's like c- canadian kids on bikes with crazy crazy 80s hair they're just hey what are you doing there hey want to want to pedal some bikes hey? <laughs> <laughs> he was credited as boy on bike can you name the actor oh my god so i i immediately just jumped i yelped i mean the neighbors must have heard me a very young very very young very canadian very Canadian, yes, very Canadian. Jason Priestley. This has to be the first thing he did. This was incredible, and he's like the lead bike boy. Yeah. Oh man, it was so funny. And he like he comes back, and he, and he and he uh, he he dies. Like that whole crew. There are so many deaths in this. Like the body count at one point, they're going over it. They're like, eight people are dead, and and three children are missing and i'm like they're dead too and then by the end there's like 20 people have been murdered by this monster and i we gotta talk about at some point what what is going on with michael ironside too he's doing like copycat murders to like cover his tracks so weird so weird i mean we could talk about it now yeah well there's just scene where he clues the sheriff in finally because you know that's i guess a comment on how like the different organizations never talk to each other. And so investigations get all screwed up and never solved because no one wants to like tell anybody what they know. But he finally tells like the uh, town sheriff what's going on after his deputies murdered and shit. And it's like, all right, it's like a secret experiment and all this stuff and we got to catch it and I need your help. And the sheriff's like, all right, like, you got me. I'm, I got your back. You can trust me. You know, we'll clean this mess up. And then Michael Ironside just murders him, like smashes his face into his windshield in his car and like does the equivalent of curbing his face into the door uh, and then gouges out his eyes to make it seem as if the monster did it. And now I'm wondering if he's the monster or if there's another monster or like what? What is going on? I, I mean, like, I don't I already don't trust him. So you don't need to do this because I know later that he's going to like probably kidnap the mom or, or do something or, or you know what I mean? Like try and clean up this mess with murder anyway. It was it was just so weird and it just seemed like a bad tactical move because the sheriff kind of kicked ass. Like this guy was on the on the beat. Like he was ready to kill a monster. Like he believed every word <laughs> that this guy said. It was so bizarre. So bizarre. You know, but eventually when they figure out well i should say you know cory really and the mom figure out that like the dog is the bait and this monster is out there and there's basically to save the dog's life they have to get rid of this monster which impressive and i was so happy that they made that choice it wasn't just like hey yeah. i'd like to survive what if one dog has to go you know what i mean but cory full on it reminded me of Predator slash Terminator slash any kind of Last Stand movie. He goes and buys a gun. He makes Molotov cocktails. He rigs, like, he, you know, they go to the cabin and they rig it, like, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Rambo or Home Alone or James Bond or something. And he doesn't just buy a gun. He buys like he buys out the store of ammo. Like he buys so much ammo and the guy's like, how old are you? And he tells him this bullshit about like it's his 16th birthday and he's going to shoot a grizzly and the store owner like approves. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah. Think of what we're saying, though. A cutesy movie with a dog buying up a store of ammo. <laughs> it's just like- but, but I don't know how to explain how it gets to that point logically but it feels like it does for this movie for what's happening in this reality right okay so like it almost feels like the dog is guiding Corey in certain uh situations to make decisions and things right and like it's trying to get him isolated out into this place so they could trap the monster or whatever but i don't know i i love it i mean it wasn't hard to rationalize for me I'm surprised we saw it on screen, but, you know, I'm someone who has dogs, work with dogs. If anyone has ever built a bond with a dog, I don't care if you're a pacifist. I don't care if you say, I'll never touch a gun in my life. If you know that the only way to save your dog is to just unleash hell and fury on someone coming after your dog, you're going to do it, you know? So seeing that, and I'm like, you know what? What is he going to do? Just be like, oh, well, you know, this dog's my friend. And also, it helps that the dog is super, super intelligent. Dogs are cute to begin with. But this dog is like, like the idea that, as fucked up as it is, the idea that after this, this intelligent dog is just going to go on to be Corey's pet. is like amazing, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think a lot of people would make this kind of crazy ass last stand for a dog like yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they, there's two monsters after him. There's Ironside, and then there's number seven, or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, six it's monsters up- have been killed. Yeah, and they call it an absconded, uh, is the, is sort of like their tag name for it. But yeah, no, I, I completely, 100% am with you, you know? Like, I would lay down for, for the dogs in my family any day. Absolutely, just like, unleash whatever it took (laughs) to protect them. And I also love this idea that the dog wants out where he's just like, I just want to be a normal dog for the rest of my life. (laughs) It's true. He doesn't say it, but that's essentially what this movie is about. Yeah, because I hate, I just hate animal testing, right? You know, it's horrible, but like you look at like rocket raccoon. Okay. And, and it's, Part of why he's got such a bad attitude is because he's been he's a fucking experiment, you know? That's the most horrible thing. Like it it just tugs at my heart so much when you see him like take his shirt off and you like he's got like rivets and bolts in him and stuff, and it's just like motherfuckers that do that go to hell. I like that it's in this movie because it's a reminder that that is going on out there and it needs to stop because this is you know, this'll never happen. You're never you're never gonna create some kind of bio beast but maybe i mean i'm sure they've tried this shit in reality and i know i've seen this in video games (laughs) before where like they're trying to create a new animal don't do that there's tons of animals on the planet just save the ones that are here let's start there relatedly in terms of like this kind of experimentation a note that i had was that like 
in 88, I was one years old, so I don't really know. I can't take the pulse of the nation, but it does seem like in the 80s and 90s, it's peak conspiracy theory time where it's innocent, if that makes sense. Like, oh, the idea that the, the government is building these super soldier monsters is scary, but now people take conspiracy theories and do some crazy shit with it. Yeah, yeah. Super Soldier is the plot of, like, half the Marvel movies. Like, this is the plot of Captain America. Yeah, right? you're right, it's you're like, right. <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, like, yeah, we're sort of used to it, or, like, the rhetoric is different, and so this isn't scary anymore. But, you know, you say gene splicing in the 80s and, like, explain what that is to people, and that is some scary shit. Like, the idea of, like, merging two... I mean, it's like the island of Dr. Moreau, the vivisecting thing, of, like, turning animals into people. And <laughs> it goes back, and it's all based in horror, so just don't do it. Like, it is nothing positive. We're not gonna get cool human-animal hybrids like Channing Tatum and Jupiter Ascending as much as we want them, you know? <laughs> but we're not... We're just not gonna get, like, Wolf Boy, if that's what I think he was. <laughs> Oh, man. But uh, so what do you want to say about this final confrontation? I mean, how about Ironside here? Oh, my God. He wants to murder a woman and two children. Yeah, they're really setting up the trap for the monster. They know Ironside's bad, but I don't think they had intention, like, let's murder a human being here. You know what I mean? He's got some crazy lines. So at one time, his partner goes, how smart is this thing? And he says, how smart's a crazy person? (laughs) And then at the end, he goes, he goes, it's the perfect killer. He goes, no, I'm the perfect killer. I'm a killing machine with no conscience. And he shoots his partner in the head. You're like, what? What the hell is going on? Why do that then? Wait until you kill the monster, at least. You need help. All hands on deck. It's also crazy. You say, why do that then? In the movie, but also writing-wise, I thought it was interesting that the monster who really has no personality, who we don't really see, gets killed second. I almost would prefer it that, oh my god, they killed this monster, and Ironside's like, you killed my creation, you know, and like, that's when he blows up. Yeah, or or like, now that it's dead, we gotta finish the cover-up, and mm. now you all have to die. That's right? what I thought was gonna happen. Right. But it's the but opposite. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Dude, Corey comes out with a knife and stabs him in oh, the but, fucking but, throat. But how about his appearance in the movie? Just like, hi there. Like it's freaking horror. <laughs> like, 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 but like, you know, different kind of horror. Not this is like sci-fi horror. Like that's like killer. Like there's a killer here. Yeah. And then he, go, yeah, and he, he goes, there yeah. are those who kill, and there are those who get killed. There's something along those lines. You're like, oh, what? And you're right. Corey stabs him with a knife. And he almost, like, survives, and I'm like, wait a minute, did this guy splice himself with the monster DNA? Oh, I wish, I wish. That's what he I thought. Pulls, dude, he pulls the knife out, keeps walking towards Corey, and starts talking. He's like, <laughs> like, so, he's like you're gonna get it, oh, I'm gonna kill you. And, and then the mom comes out with a fucking shotgun and blows him away. <laughs> Again, think about what we're saying it, please people this movie is on youtube i think it's only on youtube i think it yeah unfortunately i wish i had a copy of this to just 
good, nice, clean Blu-ray vinegar syndrome. Anybody put this yes, out. yes, vinegar syndrome. If you're listening, get the rights to this film. Put it out. All, all of them. I have to watch two, three, and Watchers Reborn now. So like, oh, I need I, a box set. I was just gonna mention that, Mike. But we'll talk about the sequels in a second. The movie ends here because they kill the monster, which again feels to me a little anti climactic we see the face but barely yeah it's got like a it's got like this weird monkey skull face which yeah like this thing could have been fine if they just made it be like a bigfoot you know or like a giant dog monster or a werewolf i think they were scared that it wasn't gonna look cool and it's not like it's shot terribly they cover it up really well like it's it's still you can't tell what it is, but they could do a good job of shooting it. I don't know how that, you know, it, it makes sense in my head. Like, you're watching it and you're like, oh, that doesn't look bad, but I wish I could see more of it. Yeah. Is kind of what I'm saying. They should have you just know? trusted. It. Look, if we bought in this far about, like, a movie about an intelligent dog with Corey Haim and a monster out there, trust us that we're going to be okay with your final monster. Like, such a cop-out, I think, to just not show all of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a great little moment, though, because Corey goes after the monster. He gets like a torch and a gun and heads out after the wounded creature. And when he finds it, the creature kind of like gives him like those like baby eyes. He's like, don't shoot me. And Corey doesn't. And the thing turns on him. He's like, ah, you should have shot me. I gotcha. (laughs) It's so Corey, you dummy. It's so weird, too, because like I get why he does it, but. At the same time, well, I guess they do it because you need to show the human quality of that monster. Corey can't yeah. be an animal lover and just, like, the way he shoots this thing is, like, fucking die, motherfucker. You know, that point, point, point blank in the head. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. like, one of those, like, oh, my God, I only killed it because it was about, like, kill me. Even though that is the case, I see so many times in horror films, and I know you do too, Mike, as well, where it's, like, the monster dies because a reluctant hero kills them. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God. Or they, or like they go to grab them and they fall off something or that happens a lot in monster movies and horror movies and stuff like that. But in this one, as soon as he turns on him, Corey's like, nah, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Pumps him full of lead. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that was brutal. It's heavy. Heavy. And then it was just like, all right, we're a family now. So the dog we didn't mention got injured at some point. Oh, oh Yeah. Well, okay. This can I talk a little bit about the the dog action stunt stuff? Be my guest. Okay, so there's a moment earlier where they're evading Ironside and Corey and his mom like jump from roof to roof. Do you remember that part? Yeah. Was that when they were escaping the the veterinarian maybe or before that it was before the vet i oh no because they go to the vet because the dog can't make the jump and he falls off the roof oh. at one point but luckily we don't we don't see the impact we're just like wait where's where's furface yeah and then he's and laying he's on the ground yeah but then there's another part where he fucking jumps out of a plate glass window to attack michael ironside <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome but then he like Someone doesn't iron side like, or is it the creature like picks him up and throws him into the car, and that sidelines him for the rest of the movie. But yeah, so, exactly. Such a great heroic character for that dog. But he's gonna be okay. He's alive in the end, and he becomes a family dog essentially. We don't see it, but like it's just everything's hunking, yeah. hunky dory after this. They drive off into the sunrise. Insane. The sun's rising as the movie ends. So 
crazy stuff. Crazy. Like this this was a this was a, an exceptional one tonight, Brian. <laughs> if I must say. Insane. And Mike, you mentioned it. This movie really wasn't a hit. It had a limited release in theaters, but mostly like a video film. But they made they made three sequels to this. There are four Watchers movies. That's amazing. How many are Corian? How many? Do you uh, this say? is the only one, unfortunately. Ah, what is it? The same character at least. That would have been fine. Let me see. Watchers two. <laughs> is, the, is there a dog at least? It's hard to say. Uh, Watchers two. The film okay. continues the saga of two genetically altered life forms turned loose. One is oh, okay. okay. So the dog is in this one. So I got a major question. Why is it called Watchers? I have no. Probably more explained in the book. Okay, but okay, I have maybe no that idea. was the name of the project, Project Watcher. It's like you send in the dog, and the other thing is watching through its eyes. I don't know, but I needed something better than Watchers for for this caliber movie. What's hilarious is that now that I look through it, the only thing that continues, really, is the dog. So, Mike, I I know I know you know you're only focusing on cool stuff for third time's a charm but did you read did you read about watchers 3 no no please enlighten me okay this is the plot of watchers 3 you should definitely look up the poster a top secret experiment spawns two highly intelligent life life forms einstein so the new dog was still a golden retriever with an iq of 175 and the outsider a deformed monstrosity that exists to kill and avenge its creators so by the way as the series goes on They'll start to call the monster the Outsiders. We've seen this in a lot of series where, like, huh. the monster doesn't get a name until the later movies. Wow, it's just a melting s- skull face. Well, well, get this. So <laughs> when the Outsider escapes into the jungles of South America, the government sends Ferguson, played by Wings Hauser. Who the hell's that? Okay. Uh, and some ex-military convicts to catch the beast. But what starts out as a high-speed chase ends in carnage. Only Einstein knows Outsider's motives, and only the canine can outsmart the creature. So I'm reading reviews. Apparently, it copies essentially the plot of Predator, but the dog is Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Oh my... I don't know if that exactly happened. This is the first time I'm reading about this. But apparently the dog... Spoiler alert, ends up being the lone survivor in the jungle, and he's the one who takes out the Watcher. That's that's what I'm reading here. Wow. We'll have to see and find out, but oh my god, what? <laughs> There's a character named McReady from the Thing remake. Why would they do that? This is so bizarre. <laughs> this is amazing. And then Watchers 4 is called Watchers Reborn and from 1998. Wow. Whoa. Mark Hamill's in it. Hello, we don't have anything that could cover that. Where did I? Where can I watch Watchers Three? Where can I Watchers Three? This shit. <laughs> where? What? What do you think Joey would say if we came to him? We're like, hey, we're doing a Watchers, like a Forever Watchers podcast, where we're just gonna watch the, <laughs> the Watchers films. I think they're all on. I think this is on YouTube. I don't know. I hope it's in English. But, um, <laughs> it's like the only place to find these fucking movies. Someone needs to, again, Vinegar Syndrome, Shout Factory, places like that. Yeah, Blue Underground, you know. Give us some Give guys? us some Ultra 4K Watchers series. No joke. I'm not kidding. 
I would I would buy I would buy it because this this movie was a delight. It was so cool and fun and like I wasn't even watching it going like last week or you know like or whatever when we watched a couple movies fast getaway there was that one double o kid and it's like these movies are terrible but i'm having a great time like this is not a terrible movie like this i feel like is a cool fun movie it's just like the tone of it is so insane that it's it's really it's kind of like this movie wes craven made called deadly friend where a boy's girlfriend dies so he puts like his toy robot's brain in her body and it's just like so yeah it's uh christy swanson i think is the is the (laughs) is that the girl who played buffy yeah 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 the original buffy don't give me this tv stuff yeah christy swanson yeah so yeah i mean that movie is just like a kid's horror movie it's like got this just crazy inconsistent tone where half of it is a sitcom and the other half of it is a, is like a nightmare it's really hard to explain i mean i feel like what they were maybe going for here is sort of like a gremlins tone you know where like gremlins so like perfectly marries this kind of horror and comedy where it just becomes one big absurdity and everyone sort of gets it by the end like gets the joke and we all had a good time and we it was a wonderful movie and one of the best sequels ever i don't know if watchers 2 is going to be as good as gremlins 2 (laughs) but but i feel the the sincerity here like i don't feel like this is crappy like i actually feel like this is a good movie i just feel like yeah it's got this incredible schizo kind of tone to it but that doesn't mean it's bad. If anything, for me, it makes it way more enjoyable because it's unlike so many other things I watch. I mean, right on cue then, let's get to our awards, right? Hola. Mike, who was this movie made for? Yeah, I honestly, I feel like, you know, as much as I don't know if Dean Koontz wants to hear this about his material, but they really kidified it. Like they, they toned it down and said, I think we found something where we could make this like like a monster squad or something you know like in that vein like if only there were two or three kids running if only jason Priestley was Corey's best friend and he was in the whole movie with the dog like you know that kind of thing like they just needed a little more time and money or power or whatever they needed to to get this over that edge it's just barely over that edge but i do feel like it's for that crowd it's for like that junior monster fan the ones that can't go to the R-rated movies with their brothers, so their sisters have to take them to the PG-13 ones. You know? <laughs> like that kind of that kind of crowd. I <laughs> All right, uh, most likely to succeed. Who won the movie? Which character won the movie? Oh, this dog. Oh my god, fur fur face. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Set. He is set. He could not ask for a better family. You know, <laughs> set for life. Gets uh, you know his meals brought to him bathed yeah <laughs> you know what i mean Does, doesn't it have like this murder on his conscience like he's not leashed mentally to this killing machine out there somewhere he's free and and he's intelligent but doesn't have to pay taxes or serve jury duty or anything like that just gets to live with his family and be loved yeah exactly <laughs> all right wooderson award is there a character you would have liked to have seen more of mm. you've already lo- alluded to some I mean, probably Jason Priestley. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Um, yeah, why not? I mean, that'd be cool. I, yeah. I like bike gangs. Rad. I didn't like how they were picking on that one kid, though. They kept calling him like Piggy. Piggy, yeah. But like, they, how about a nicer version of them? Exactly. 
Yeah, cooler version. Keep them around once they're introduced. Make them part of the whole movie. Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose omission would make the film better? Would you delete anyone from the film? Sorry. I don't think so. I, I don't I, think so. I have a choice because I started laughing. Sorry. I started laughing because I do have a choice. I don't need the Australian boyfriend of the moms. Oh, but but he has to get killed. Like Fine, I guess. <laughs> but did it enhance the movie at all? No. Well, it did for me because as even though he gets killed off screen, they set him up and you're like, oh, this guy sucks. I hope he gets killed by the monster. And he does, you know? So it, it kind of is one of those horror tropes where it's like you need body count. So you don't want nice people to die. You want to make sure that he's portrayed as a douche or something. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I just hate him. Oh, he's a misogynistic dick. Like, yeah. like, oh, well, that's the line. I was looking through my notes. When Ironside comes in to the house and he's asking questions, and, and he's essentially like, who are you? He's like, you know, I'm the handyman, if you know what I mean. You know, like, or like, I, fi- oh. I fix appliances or something like that. I'm like, come on, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could get rid of him. <laughs> I'm not, again... The movie does get rid of him. You're right. I just wanted to bring up how much I disliked him. So, uh, Cameron Fry Award. We do see high school in this. Did anyone look too old to be uh, a high schooler, though? No, but I got to just mention, like, I, I know this probably is airing way later, but it was a thrill to to remember while listening to your episode of The Happening that Cameron Fry was the principal. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Alan Ruck. Yeah, and there, yeah, and there was another uh, brother from Secession in that movie too. Yeah, two Secession people in in that happening. It was a surprise. Jeremy Strong was in the film as well. <laughs> so I have a I have a theory about that. If you don't mind, uh, Ven- quickly, venture even it. Though we're way off track. Venture it. So M Night likes to shoot with a lot of. Uh, Philly natives and Pennsylvania actors because he's from the area and Pittsburgh and stuff. So it could be that they're there, that they're from there because there's a, one of the guys from clerks is also in that movie. He's driving the car with John Leguizamo that crashes into a tree during the, Oh yeah. yeah. Wow. So like, he's sort of from the area as well. And that was my theory is like, Oh, that guy was kind of, maybe he was a theater actor and M night found him through casting through the area so i don't know if that's true but that's my theory about about that movie that makes sense i'm looking it up now but huh that's interesting and 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 you never mentioned the moment in that movie where the farmer blows off the little kid's face with the shotgun <laughs> i was a little no we mentioned that i must have missed we that. just i guess i didn't say it the way you said it no, I know because for me it's one of the biggest. Because, but I said I said it like, oh my, moments. oh my god, they killed the kids. That's how I reacted more. But yeah, they killed the kids. Maybe I should have been more expressive about that. But oh, it's, but it's all good. It's a big episode. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that movie's insane. Well, where are we now, Cameron Fry? Award? I don't know. I don't. I don't think we. See, Alan Ruck Award. I, who, I don't who should see be in it more? enough. No, it's who looks too old to be a high schooler. Who looks too old? I don't know. Yeah, the dog, right? That, <laughs> No, more more of the, the dog, dog should not be. No, but he should not be in high school. True, um, true. I mean, he should be. You know what? He was a student, and the teacher dies in this. He should replace that teacher. Oh my god! If your teacher was a dog, <laughs> that would be insane. You could only ask it yes or no questions. 
Did you uh did you like this teacher character? I mean, I thought it was interesting. Like it's just uh uh you know, you have uh this Asian actor, so that was that was good to see diversity yeah, in the I mean, film and Long Duck Dong Award, we yeah. have it for a reason. And, and the, he's not depicted stereotypically, he's just an asshole teacher, no. which is great. And he's not even he's just a hard teacher. I mean, I remember hard ass, computer, I should have said hard ass. Yeah, computer lab they were always a little tougher because they were worried about the equipment, I bet, you know. They, <laughs> Fair always, enough. That's what I was always thinking. <laughs> All right, let's just grade the movie then. I'm very curious what uh, your score yeah, is going to be. Yeah. Um, I know this is not going to help, but I might as well bring it up. Might as well. Because it's here. Only five critical reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, but they're terrible. Zero huh. percent. No, the good, man. The critics hated this movie when it came out. Well, what else? You don't have the ability to see like what else came out that weekend. But, like, this is around the time of, like, I guess, Aliens actually, and that kind of stuff. Actually, looking at Rotten Tomatoes, it's actually modern critics reviewing it. And yeah. they were not fans. Watchers is a real mess. It's only a couple steps up from the dismal Maximum Overdrive. No way. This is way better than... I mean, Maximum Overdrive is, is fun, but it's horrible. <laughs> like, that movie is, like, an, ugh, I cannot. But this, I can. <laughs> Oh, by the way, so this mentioned uh, the dog is played by Sandy the dog, FYI. So. Oh, Sandy. Reminds me of the dog from Annie. Let's acknowledge Sandy the dog. Uh, yeah. But not the Annie one, the one who's in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good dog, too. <laughs> have you seen that? Have you seen I mean... I'm familiar. Never did Annie, never did Annie too. Annie goes to high school. Anything, <laughs> but... Original Annie, great dog. Oh, I found Sandy the Dog's IMDb. Oh, cool. Uh, only two movies. Watchers as Furface. That's what he's credited as. And, and a film called Open House in 1990. Open House. Okay. Oh, no. It's, it was a series. A short-lived series focused on Linda Phillips' real estate office and her interaction with her coworkers. Okay. I'm sure Larson would know about this because he loves those like, what was premiering on ABC in 1988? You know. <laughs> But it's probably a Canadian series. I'm assuming it was a Canadian dog. Everyone else is Canadian in the movie. Oh, was it on Degrassi? I mean, no, unfortunately not. Oh, well. But yes, back to this Rotten Tomato scores. Critics now and then did not like this film. Um, another critical response was, with consistently serious tone, sudden moments of grisliness, Ironside's nasty villain, and Sandy the dog hitting all her cues, it's a routinely competent thriller. But but the negative negative score routinely competent. It's way better than that. Like this is so much fun. The the rapport with Corey and the dog. Like I've not seen him have this much energy and like excite. Like maybe it's because it's the dog bringing it out of him, you know. And like there's no pressure there to be working with another person. And it's just like we're getting pure natural Corey, right? Because he's just running lines with a dog, <laughs> like. He just feels so natural, though, I guess is my point. It's like, this is a really nice performance from him. Like, he's hitting all of his squeaks and all of his, you know, <laughs> all of that stuff. He's doing all of his slips and slides around and things. Like, he's got the crazy wardrobe. One of the critics said that he screamed like Demi Moore. Oh, come on. <laughs> but, uh, Demi Moore screams like him. That's a, but, that's but, but Mike, the audience isn't helping you with a thousand plus reviews. 30% by the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Ah, that's rough. Maybe Letterbox will be more in league with what you were thinking. You know who I think? I think I feel like Austin might might understand this movie for what it is. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see his review. Can I contribute to like a Patreon for him to watch this or something? Yeah, we'll ask him on his Patreon. You know, he'll be on this series later, so maybe we'll just okay. even ask him in person, at, or you know via the podcast and be like right to do it there yeah. watch, watch watchers and let us know or even right before but uh rotten tomatoes 2.6 out of five it does have one fan let's see who that one mm. fan is i'm curious all right let's play the fast and furious game oh god is this the letterbox yeah game? the letterbox game the hardest game on earth the hardest game on earth you were recently on too fast, too forever. Yeah. One of the flagship shows of this network, I'd say now. Um, and, and on that show, and you know, I've been on it a ton as well. And on that show, they play a game where if someone's a fan of the movie, they kind of guess what other movies that they have as their favorites on Rotten Tomatoes. So Watchers is one of the four favorites of this person named Planets Edit. And by the way, their quote is, I love cinematography. <laughs> so let's do it, Mike. What three other movies are on this list? Okay, so I got to guess the three other top four. Yeah, so Watchers is on here. I'll tell you, there's a Corey Feldman movie on the list. Hmm. Which is his... uh, They're all 80s movies, FYI. Is it Stand By Me? Nope, but you're close. Is it Gremlins? (laughs) No, no, but you're also close, like... Similar. Goonies, Goonies. Goonies, yes. Goonies. The Goonies is on okay. there. The next, Two more. The next film is a film you and I have never directly talked about. Okay. I've never seen, but I would call it like, is it the Scream classic horror? Is it, you know, a Freddy classic horror film? No. But it's like that next level of classic horror series. So like maybe Hellraiser? No, no. Not Hellraiser. It, it does also deal with youths as well. I've never seen it, so I don't know if it's high schoolers, but... Mm. So, like Freddy, Jason, but no, lower? Not... Tier? I wouldn't say, like, don't think of a... Next level? I don't think of a killer, but, like, I don't think, again, like, my mom knows this series, but everyone who knows horror knows this series. Weird. 80s horror. Yeah, I know. Well, it's... That's either like Halloween or okay. The I'll tell you the poster on Letterboxd has a knife, a bloody knife going through a sneaker. Oh, Sleepaway Camp. Yes, Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, got that. All right, I'm doing much better on your show. show. (laughs) (laughs) I think these are more in your wheelhouse, though. Okay, the last film. Another high school film, I recently put it on my list because I think someone either recommended it or mentioned it on an episode. I don't really don't know what this movie is about, but I hear a lot of people mention it to me. The poster has a woman in what appears to be a bicycle outfit or like a bicycle top showing a little cleavage, but she looks like a badass woman. Okay. All right. More clues. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Her name. Her name is also... A name of a famous song. Oh, The Legend of Billie Jean. Correct, yes. 
Love that movie. <laughs> I feel like you... Christian Slater's in that. Oh, yeah. And, Hel- and, yeah. and Helen Slater, but they're not related. Oh. His mom was the casting director for that film, and this is how he got into that. I movie. didn't know that. I... I don't know why. I don't know why I know that. And also, you we should watch that one. The, the kid from Back to School and Christine is is uh, Arnie from Christine. Is yeah, that? that's how I knew this film, because that kid has popped up a lot on High School Slumber Party, and just from IMDb. We must have covered a, a movie with him recently. Yeah. Yeah. And the voice of Lisa Simpson is in that movie as well. She was an actor. Nice. So I feel like you get along with this dude, this letterbox dude. You have some similar interests. <laughs> Are you sure it's, is it me? <laughs> Imagine the whole, that- <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you like those movies that we mentioned. Definitely not yeah. your four favorite movies, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I always skew a little more mainstream when I do my like top top four or whatever. Yeah, the movies in my top four are like ones I'm sure most people have seen. <laughs> All right, though. This was a long-winded way of throwing everything I just said out, Mike, and handing you the red pen and giving you that, that card stock, that manila card. A plus to F scale. What will you grade watchers? I mean, people are going to think I'm nuts. People are, are going to think I'm fucking crazy. And maybe I am. I don't care. I don't know, though. Like, and, and there's no way to know, for you to know. But this movie is fun. I really enjoyed it. Like, I was blindsided by this, and it was a really fun time. And, you know, I... Huh, what can I say? Like, I, I just... I'm giving it a B. I'm giving it a B. Because it's... It's got it. Like, it's got almost everything I want. The only thing missing from this is, like, the gore, really. Like, I love the tonal shifts and, like, the complete contrast of tone going on in this movie and how they merge. I feel like they merge really well. Like, I feel like the Corey stuff starts getting more and more serious and dangerous and it matches everything by the end. The dog stuff is just amazing it's delightful it's like shit you'd see in like a disney kids film from the 50s you know like i said like the shaggy detective or the shaggy da or the shaggy dog movies you know it's basically like herbie the love bug but a dog like you know everything had a personality at some point in kids movies but like here it is in like a dean Kuntz horror novel thing i don't know man i just think it worked really well i think this would be a great thing to remake i think this this would kick ass nowadays like you could do some really cool things with like the bioweapon effects and stuff and like just from video games i've watched like design wise you could get more into like doom kind of influence looks like that's what i was thinking the thing would be like it would have like wires and and like mechanical stuff as well as like organic things but i don't know i i feel like this movie did a good job with what it could it it had a lot of cool ideas and it had a hell of a lot of good execution a lot of explosions and i don't care what those critics are saying i really feel like it's it's worth a watch and it's a fun time you know and especially if you've seen everything else at this point you're just like you know what the hell is watchers just check it out I think you'll like it. I hope you like it. Well, Mike, I thought you were going to give it the A+. Plus. I was like, are we Are we ready for that? No, we're not. I'm not back on that <laughs> tea right now. <laughs> I'm not sipping, sipping that juice at this point. But. but my score is close to you, Mike. I, I gave it a B-. minus. Cool. And that's really because I enjoyed the film. And I love this dog. Oh, my God. Legendary dog. 
Oh, dude, the movie dogs. People need to know about this movie dog. Such a good underrated, dog. Oh underrated movie dog performance because I've never even heard of this film or the dog in it. <laughs> if you like dog movies, watch this movie. Uh, I wish, I guess I wish he factored a little bit more into the end. He got hurt saving his life and the lives of others. So Yeah, and he did so much. He did so much. We salute yeah. you, Furface. You deserve all the hot, all <laughs> the hot dogs you want. Woo! All right. Amazing. Can't believe it. What does your watcher sleeping bag look like? Oh, boy. Uh, I totally forgot about this one. Um, um, what was the name of that lab? <laughs> I don't know. Ben, Bandai... Ben, Ban- Banadine Lab. I guess I'll just have the official Banadine Lab sleeping bag. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I I didn't get one with fur face on it. I just yeah. you know how you could like take your pets and make a blanket or a pillow <laughs> or anything from it. I'm gonna do that with him. Remember my big fur face. Well, one. you took mine, so oh. I'm gonna do my sleeping bag. Is just gonna be the monster suit from the movie. You know, with, oh, good just idea. so I can see it at least, and I'll just unzip it and sleep in it. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> All right. So, you know, we know what we're sleeping in at our slumber party, but we got to know what we're watching. We know we're watching Watchers. But, you know, you and I take a little trip to the old blockbuster. We walk in, we pick up our one copy of Watchers that exists in the world, but we see a sign at the front and it says, Rent to Movies, Get One Free. And there's a long line, Mike. So I say, I'll wait here. I'll keep our place in line. Why don't you go to the back, pick two of the movies, and we'll make a night of it. We'll make a slumber party night of it. So what two other movies would you rent with Watchers? Okay. So as soon as I found out that Watchers was a Dean Koontz property, uh, it immediately the, this movie jumped into my head. Ben Affleck, Rose McGowan, Liev Shriver, Peter O'Toole, 1998 Phantom. Oh, cool. Are you aware of Phantoms? Um, this, oh, oh my God. Robert Nepper's in it. We just talked about him on Transporter 3. He's the bad guy. I was like, he's an, I don't know him from anything. I guess he's <laughs> I've never seen it, but I was aware when it came out. So Okay. Okay. There's a line in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back where they're talking to one of the Ben Affleck characters from Chasing Amy. And... They're like making fun of Affleck and and uh, they're like, screw Ben Affleck. And Ben Affleck's like, yeah, screw that guy. But then one of them's like, but he was the bomb in fans. <laughs> I must say, he he is the bomb. It's like 1998 Ben Affleck. So he's still kind of green. I think this is right around the time of of the, uh, was it Armageddon that he was in? So interesting time. Interesting <laughs> time movies. indeed. Uh, well, let's see. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's basically the, the back of the box is like he is a sheriff in a sleepy resort ski town where like most it seems like everyone's kind of mysteriously disappeared and he has to get to the bottom of like what's happening and he finds like a couple people along the way that have not vanished. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just like a real creepy mystery. It's got sort of Lovecraft overtones going on and stuff. And I dig it. And by the way, 1998 for uh Affleck was Phantoms, Armageddon, and Shakespeare in Love. So, good for him. Big year. Good for him. And that's coming off the heels of uh, 97, which was Chasing Amy, Going All the Way, and Goodwill Hunting. So, 
hot. Hot flick. <laughs> but no longer our Batman, as we have Robert Pattinson as the new Batman. Just We just buried another Batman. <laughs> but, uh, okay, your second pick, though. Okay, so has anybody rented the same movie twice? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, well, yes, Kate Hudson has rented Con Air so much that I've had to ban it Oh, okay. on the well, podcast. But. Besides Kate Hudson, I don't know if I should. There's something I really want to rent again, but I also have an alternate. Well, so, tell me both. But I don't have, like, another one to balance it all out. Well, well, what's the one you want to rent again? Okay. So I guess we don't have to rent this again, but I want to mention it because this movie immediately made me think, I was like, oh, they're experimenting on a dog. I love a movie where they experiment on a cat. It's called Uninvited, and it's from 1988 yes, also, yes. and it's about a cat inside of a cat that attacks a bunch of kids on spring break on a yacht and some gangsters, too, that are there for reasons, and it's amazing, and there's two cuts. So I was going to recommend... The like the Euro cut this time. No, definitely do it because I'll suggest one. So we'll, we'll okay. figure out the order in a second. So yeah, when did you recommend that one? Oh, way. I back know you back. have, but I don't remember for what I movie. Can't recall. Oh, well. I, I don't know. Maybe during. Maybe was it around the time we were doing? It had to have been some horror stuff, you know. So we did Society. Maybe around the mm. time we did Society. <laughs> All right, so what is your other uh, film that you want to recommend? And then again, we'll get the order down in a second. But Okay, and maybe I could find another if I have to. But um, So I really like this movie. I think it's cool, and it's so different than this movie, but it's got a lot of like the same ideas going on in it. 2018, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Rampage, based on the video oh, game yeah. Rampage. Nice, nice. Why don't we put Rampage with, I'm sorry, what's the cat movie? Uninvited. Why don't we put Rampage with Uninvited? And this is what we'll do. We'll take Phantoms and we'll go off. I'm going to read the Dean Coons film adaptation list and you just pick another one off that. There's Demon Seed, The Passengers, The Face of Fear, Hideaway, Intensity, Mr. Murder, yeah, Soul Survivor and Black River and some other stuff. So anything off that list that you've seen or would like to recommend? Yeah. So there's one I haven't seen it in ages and I really want to rewatch this movie. So maybe we'll do this. Uh, it's Demon Seed. Demon Seed. Because, that was the first one he directed. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's the yeah, first one that got adapted. Because it's got a smart house. It's about like a smart house. I believe a smart house that like goes rogue on a family, if I'm wow. not mistaken. That's cool. Uh, when Alan invents Proteus Four, an artificial intelligence capable of advanced thought, his obsession with technology strains his relationship with Susan. Alan in a home operated by a computer program. So I feel like it could be about a killer house. <laughs> if I remember. Nice. And I think that they parodied that on a Simpsons episode as well, on a Treehouse of Horror, where it was uh, Pierce Brosnan did the voice of the house, and he falls in love with Marge, and he tries to kill Homer and stuff. That's awesome. I think that was based off that. So let's go there. Great picks. Two rental triple features here. Love to hear that. So, Mike, this was really awesome. Uh, We're going to do a couple more Corey films before we end the series for the year. And we're going to bring some guests on, so you guys can look forward to that. No no revealing of who it is and what films yet. But, uh, Mike, before that, it's been a pleasure so far, and it's been awesome. And, you know, I'm so happy to keep celebrating the legacies of the two Corys on film. But uh, anywhere you want people to follow you, find you, 
I mean, obviously, you have multiple podcasts. Yes. Cage Club with Joey Lewandowski, the uh, one that started it all, I guess you could say. Uh, we're still going on that. We're looking to catch up on a bunch of shows this year and get those out for you. And new Cage episodes, new Hanks and so forth, new Elvis. Third Time's a Charm is the third of every month. That's my show where I look at the third installment of a franchise. Brian is often on over there as my unofficial co-host. Thank you, Brian. And The Monsters That Made Us with Dan Cologne is the last Friday of every month where Dan and I are looking back at the history of the Universal Monster movies. So come check those out. It's been a blast. And thank you for listening. You can find all this at cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Nice, Mike. Uh, you know, if, if if you're a big Mike Manzi fan, just stay tuned. More Corey films and more Manzi projects, on, not only on his show, but on this one as well. So thanks, Mike. Yeah, get ready for Watchers 3 on Third Time of Charm <laughs> coming soon. Big thank you to Mike Manzi, as always. God, listen to that episode. It was one of those, like, yes, I hope you did your homework, and I hope you watched the movie. But if you didn't watch the movie and you just heard the nonsense that was coming out of our mouths, that might be even more fun. (laughs) What a wild one, watchers. We'll get back to more Corey films soon. But we have an AP episode coming up for Monday, The Return of High School Slumber Party AP. Of course, Island Addington is my co-host on that show. And we'll be talking one of the classics in the genre. It's modern teen films there. And maybe... Maybe the first modern teen film of this era, arguably, Lady Bird. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like How New York, world I raise such or at snow. least Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the get woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom, you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail and then back to City College and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. <laughs> Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Lady Bird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that that was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks. What she did was very baller. It was very anarchist. Put the magazine back! <laughs> she has a big heart, your mom. She's warm, but she's also kind of scary. You can't be scary and warm. I think you can. Your mom is. So, you're not interested in any Catholic colleges? No way. I want schools like Yale, but not Yale because I probably couldn't get in. (laughs) You definitely couldn't get in. Does mom hate me? If you're tired, we can sit down. I'm not tired. You were dragging your feet. You are so infuriated. stop yelling? I'm not yelling. Oh, it's perfect. Do you love it? You both have such strong personalities. When is a normal time to have sex? You're having sex. I'm ready. Just wanted it to be special. Why? You're gonna have so much unspecial sex in your life. We're afraid that we will never escape our past. Whatever we give you, it's never enough. It's never enough. It is enough. We're afraid of what the future will bring. We're afraid we won't be loved. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. We won't be liked. Yeah, well, you know your mom's tits, they're totally fake. She made one bad decision at 19. Two bad decisions. And we won't succeed. I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be.
what if this is the best version? What I'd really like is to be on Math Olympiad. But math isn't something you're terribly strong in. That we know of yet. So that's your homework assignment for Monday to watch Lady Bird and listen to our episode that'll drop then. Looking forward to your feedback. Remember, hit us up on social media and continue to listen to High School Slumber Party as we power through this senior year of ours. And one more thing before I let you go. Remember that life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Again, I don't think there's a Watcher soundtrack. So let's, let's crawl into our sleeping bags. Say goodnight to each other on High School Slumber Party with a little Snoop Doggy Dog. Later, dudes. Go.